Hello and good morning, everyone. Only positivity here. I have my coffee with me. Um, and ready to kick off the fifth podcast um, on this playlist that I'm attempting to launch um, called Elevated Thoughts. So, <clears throat> you know, before diving into our new book for today, um, you know, as I pursue knowledge, you know, and life experience uh, through traveling, fitness, photography, um, and things like that, um, one habit I've really formed is reading, okay? And this podcast is going to be just um, going through some of the books I've been reading and some of those key takeaways and, you know, relating them back to my life and some of the experience I had um, and essentially applying the lessons learned to my day-to-day interactions. So, um, so we're no longer um, discussing The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, and today we're going to go through um, the new book I've been reading, or I've just finished, uh, called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. So, you know, this book is all about being present uh, in the moment, and, you know, not dwelling on the past or the future, but being here right now. And, you know, one thing I noticed, which is funny about, you know, books like The Four Agreements, The Power of Now, and the other books I've been reading, um, is that, you know, some of the concepts are very complex in nature, and they're very high level, um, and you might have to read them over and over again. But some of them are things you've already um, understood or you already know. Um, But when you hear someone else phrase them the way they phrase it, um, it clicks differently, right? Um, And I think that's the most interesting about knowledge um, is that everyone perceives it different and takes it different. And hearing them really um, phrase that eloquently the way authors do um, is, is astounding. So, um, you know, before diving into the dialogue and all the points I've, I've listed out, um, you know, it's one thing I like to do is start with, um, with a story um, as of late. So um, one, one funny thing um, that, that happened over this past week um, was I, I, I got a chance to hang out with my brother-in-law or my future brother-in-law. And um, he's, a, he's a great dude. Um, and he, he recently started a new gig, right, a new job. And it's kind of his first, you know, step, foot in the door in the corporate world, right? And, you know, I've been there for five, six years now. So um, you start to uh, get a gauge of those little nuances or become accustomed to them, right? Like, um, so oftentimes, like, for example, one thing is that, you know, we have, uh, most uh, bigger organizations have an internal chat system similar to, like, AIM um, or, like, an instant messenger. Um, but a lot of people will send you a ping or, like, a, an AIM chat um when they're sitting a few cubes away. Um, and you don't always have to get up and talk, even though that might be the natural thing for you to do before you step into the corporate world. Um, or things like like WebExing, having telepresence meetings. Um, you know, having a meeting with someone on WebEx um, when they're right down the hall, right? Why not just pop over? I, and, and those are little nuances, and there's reasons behind all those things, right? Um, every time I need something, I don't want to stop and have a conversation with you. If I just need something, I'm going to type it out. Um, if I need to share my screen, right? I'm going to WebEx because I can share the screen as opposed to, you know, me showing you my computer uh, and whatnot, right? So these little nuances. <laughs> and and I think the the humor comes in, right? The funny part comes in is like when you, when you talk about the common areas, right? Like the kitchen um, and particularly the bathroom, right? Um, so that's a funny one, right? And I think... Um, uh, I mean, this might be a little vulgar, to be honest, but um, I think I personally feel like um, a lot of a lot of people are are apprehensive, you know, to go number two at the office, right? And you know, I myself included at first, like I I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that at the office because um, I thought it was weird and stuff like that. Um, but and you know, my brother-in-law is starting to go through some of those things, right? He's like, oh no, I'm not going to do it there. And I'm like, dude, one day there's going to be an emergency. 
Um, and you're not going to be able to wait eight hours to go home and take care of that. And you're just going to say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it right now. Um, so that, so, so I'm trying to catch them up on those things as well. But also, um, one interesting thing is, you know, when you see, when you're, when you're in a stall and someone next to you is like completely destroying, right? It's like, it's like landmines going off next to you. Um, and then they, they get out and they act like nothing happened. Like, I pretty much want to give them a round of applause. Like, damn dude well done like you killed it in there right because like tmi like i'm not having like like nothing crazy happen like it, it comes out pretty smooth for me but you know other people like it it seems like they're in pain and like you know they're trying really hard and you know it's frustrating almost like i'm there with you man i'm your hype man like let's get it uh so so we're having those type of conversations um me and my brother-in-law are and it's really really funny right just to hear his perspective um because when you come into that corporate world you're really like um you're very innocent and you want to change everything and you want to make it better and then slowly you realize that like there's a lot of red tape that goes into that and things like that um but also you spend a majority of your time if you work in an office setting right uh with those people you spend almost more so um or more time with them than you would with your significant other or even your family sometimes right so um i think that's you know it's interesting to 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 hear him catching on to those things um the nuances of people like using my my almond milk at work like you know one day i'll go in there i'll feel my almond milk be very light and i just bought it and i'm like so now i passive aggressively write my name all over my carton and everything like that um so it's funny it's just funny the way things happen right because when i go to work in the morning you know from my podcast like i love my coffee in the morning so if i can't enjoy it the way i want to enjoy it um i'm not gonna be pissed off but i definitely i feel like i i'm in a position where i should be able to enjoy my coffee because i've set it up that way but anyway i'm going down a rabbit hole here um so um i think for let's go ahead and just jump into you know the points i, I listed out for today right so um i'm, I'm not going to go into chapter by chapter I'm, i'll probably just do a part one part two of this um this book right so coming back to the book um the power of now by eckhart tolle so the first two chapters are titled um you are not your mind and the second is consciousness the way out of pain so one thing um and this is like not the most relevant quote, but the first quote I highlight in the book goes like this by Eckhart Tolle, right? I have spent almost two years sitting on park benches in a state of the most intense joy, right? So it does not explain much, but it tees up the idea of being here now. So, um, you know, one thing I do, and you know, I live in Chicago, so it's it's cold here majority of the year, but um, when, when it's warm, I am outside as much as possible, right? Going for runs, walks, bike rides, just kind of sitting outside, um, things like that, taking in um, the ambiance and the environment. So, you know, relating that back to me, um, and, you know, I, I go for walks a lot, and I, and I listen to music while I walk, right? Um, but other times I don't. And, you know, I just take in my surroundings, I look around, um, and really ingest it. I listen to the sounds. Um, I feel the way the sun hits me. I, I, I feel a breeze blowing on the back of my neck. I hear the birds chirping, and I can feel my foot 
on the pavement with each step, right? And that's something we, we really don't pay attention to. We don't pay attention to um, all all that's going on around us and really take it in um, with you know with technology constantly with us all the time, um, with with the mind constantly moving, right? So you know, bringing that back to a story in my life, right? Just yesterday, um, I hung out with you know two of my best friends that um, I haven't seen in a while, um, to be honest. And um, it's cold here, right? It's um, it's February. And so, so basically what we did was, um, you know, we met up, uh, around, around my apartment here and we went to, we went to a bar and got some food, ate some dinner there. Um, and then we were like, okay, now what do we do? Right. We, we've ate, we've eaten, we're ready to do something or we can just sit here, I guess, and chat. Um, but let's, let's move. So, um, we attended to go to Top Golf, and um, for those of you that know what Top Golf is, it's just like a driving range, a glorified driving range. Um, so um, there was like an hour, hour and a half wait. So we were like, you know what? Forget this. We're gonna go bowling. So we went bowling, played like two games of bowling, um, and then we were like, okay, now what do we do, right? So we went to um, another bar and played darts. Okay, we stay there for a little bit. Now what do we do, right? So essentially, what we do is we come back to my apartment, we park in front, and I'm like. We're all like, we don't want to go inside again, right? And, you know, it happened to be like 50 degrees out here yesterday. So we're like, you know what? Let's just go for a walk, right? It was like 6 p.m. Um, the sun was setting and we went for a walk, right? We went for like a 30, 40 minute walk. And we just walked around my neighborhood and um, like a couple of creeps really at night, like, because we were wearing like our big jackets and everything and no one else was out. But that was the best time of the night, right? That, the best time of the night was when we just walked around. Um, outside, we were just looking around at all the houses, um, everything around us, the different types of houses. Um, we started talking about the type of houses we want, where we see ourselves in five, six years. Um, and this might not attest to being here now, but it's definitely like an attestation to just kind of taking in your surroundings um, and that being enough, right? Like we, did, we didn't need to go all around town last night. All we needed was to just walk around, have some good conversation. And that was honestly the, the, the most memorable part of the night for me. So, um, hopping off that point, right? Going going into into personality itself. Okay, another thing that I highlighted that Eckhart Tolle states is um, we have to learn to recognize our own faults. Okay, learn to recognize what is false, and what is your emotions taking over versus what is truly your nature. Okay, so um, let's talk about let's talk about um, something really relevant, right? Um, so, so I have a tendency, and I think I think um, I got it from my dad, who really taught me to size people up, right? Like, like listen to the way they talk, um, look at their body language, look in their eyes, um, and and you can start to gauge the type of person they are, the types of weaknesses they have, the strengths, things they lean on, things like that. Um, whereas, you know, I feel like I, my dad may have used that in a negative way. Um, I realized that I was doing the same thing um, a few years ago, right? You started to pick people's flaws and really using it to roast them, right? Whereas, you know, I, I still kind of do that in my mind, I guess. Um, if I need to, I have it in my back pocket, I guess. But, you know, I think the thing here is, you know, me being in somewhat of a salesy role, you know, I use that um, to really um, tell a story well or elevate conversation. I, I, I start to gauge, you know, what what things people are going to jive with and what things they're not going to jive with based on their word choice, like I said, their body language, their posture, things like that, right? So for me, it's pointing out a flaw, right? Noticing that I did use it in a negative way and turning it into a positive.
Okay, but you know that might not be super relevant. Let's um let's use an example um of 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 work. So you know when I when I used to get um uh new projects and whatnot at work, um it would be stressful, right? Because my I felt like my boss would just kind of use us um as their admin as her admin and just really um you know just always say yes to everything. Okay, yeah, you know, he'll do it, he'll do it, she'll do it, whatever. So um, without really um, asking us if we would do it, right? So I used to get frustrated by this type of this type of action, right? And um, But you realize you're in control of everything in your world, right? So so I think the way to combat that is um, I could get frustrated, right? And, and, and that doesn't do anyone any good, right? That's my emotions taking over. But now what I do is, okay, so you're going to give me a new project, right? So my boss says, I have a new project for you. I say, okay, I'm doing 10 things right now, right? I have 10 projects in motion. Um, and if, if you want me to deliver quality on all of them, I can only do these 10 right now, okay, with, with, with what I have. So this new project is fine. I can do it. But something has to come off my plate or something has to get pushed down um, for later. And, you know, that is really an adult conversation to have. Um, and, you know, I realized that that was a flaw in my behavior, that I was getting upset about these things, where it's like, okay, you can just have a conversation, don't make assumptions, right, like Don Miguel Ruiz says, um, and clarify. So um, that's how I deal with it, and you know that's how I elevate my emotional intelligence, right? So the moral here is that you can really begin to transform yourself once you recognize these things, once you take an objective look at yourself, but some people never get there, right? You see at work that, you know, I, I wouldn't say, like, I'm the most technically proficient or um, I don't think the people who are in management or at the top are even the most technically proficient, right? They just have a higher awareness, right? They're not going to let little nuances um, upset them and things like that. So, um, you know, pausing there and moving on to the next point. So um, the next point I highlighted was that, you know, um, Miguel, uh, sorry, Eckhart Tolle says the fact that in essence there is and always has been only one spiritual teaching, but it comes in many forms. This is a perspective I absolutely love, right? Because not everyone is like that. And you see this especially, right? Bring it back to the, the Indian culture, right? Um, there's so many little nuances, even amongst the same religion, that will set people apart right? The type of caste you are, the type of Indian you are. Like These are all things that set people apart. But the perspective I love is to focus on the things that unite us as opposed to the things that make us different from one another. Um, and so, you know, coming back to an example, right? And, you know, I'm going through wedding planning and everything right now. So, you know, I have, I have wedding topics on the mind. So I'll probably be sharing those with you. So, um, growing up, I, I was raised Hindu, right? So I guess I identify as Hindu. Um, and uh, one thing that we have, right, uh, as part of the, the the wedding ceremony and that whole wedding weekend with all the different little events, um, there's so many different rituals um, that have a lot of different meaning, right? So the one I'm going to talk about today is is an event that happens the day after the wedding, um, essentially where the 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 the, the newly um, the newly married couple um, is is welcomed into the groom's house. So, like in this example, we'll use a, a, a groom and a bride, right? A man and a woman. So, um, the day after the wedding, um, the the wife 
now will enter there's a like a little ceremony with a with a priest and everything like that um where the the wife will enter the groom's house like with her right foot first and you know there's a coconut involved and things like that um and there's a prayer and everything like that and um it's a it's a very important ceremony to traditional um hindu people okay so um but the higher the higher level principle there is that the bride is being welcomed into the house by the groom's side. Okay, so now let's relate this to some of my my, my friends right now, right? So I have a lot of um, South Indian friends, and they are um, of the Malayali committee. I mean, com community. Sorry, the Malayali community. Um, so they're South Indians, right? Um, and they're predominantly Christian Catholic, um, Malu for short. Um, and to all my Malu friends, I really do apologize if I'm butchering. Um, uh, your population in any way. Uh, this is just the way I view it, right? So um, let's okay. So so my my Malu friends, they have a similar ritual uh, the day after the wedding ceremony, welcoming the bride into the groom's house, and um, I believe it's called a, a kacha. Um, and so these are two. So exactly what I described on the Christian Catholic side for Malayali folks is is pretty much the exact same for Hindu people, right? And even though they're completely different religions, these things are have the same principle, right? It's just the semantics that are a little bit different, right? So if we can focus on those things that unite us as opposed to separating us, it really, really t peels back a lot of layers um, of BS and we can start to grow together, okay? So um, hopping off that story for a little bit, um, going into the next quote. Um, those who have not found true wealth, not talking about material wealth, become beggars in this world, looking for outside scraps of pleasure. Um, so that's another very, very powerful one, right? So, you know, I think about the um, the VPs and the, the C-level execs of everywhere I've worked, right? Um, there's been some, there's been one or two um, that I feel like, hey man, like this guy is commendable. Um, this lady is commendable. Um, he or she worked very hard to get here, and I don't think I could even do their job, right? But then, you know, over the past couple of jobs I've had, um, the C level is pretty much a bunch of people who's who who are who I guess are relatively smart, or you know, they're gunners in the corporate world, but their life is in shambles, right? Um, every CEO that I've met um, besides one is divorced and that might just be a luck of the draw thing um, and you know they seem to not be taking care of their health um, or their their fitness levels or really have any emotional intelligence right they use their um, their role to really domineer others and so that goes to show right you think the VPs and the C-level are very smart people and they they rightfully are they might as well be um, they may as well be but um, they, they are not necessarily the outstanding citizens that we might think they are, right? So, like, for example, um, like, my, my current my current VP and, like, you know, things like that um, and, and then the surrounding, they, they only really come alive when they're talking about work, right? When they're talking about, you know, like, clinical programs or um, they're at a happy hour, you know, talking about um, the problems they face at work. That, to me, is toxic, right? That there's... There's leave work at work. If you like talking about it um, and things like that, that's fine. But it consumes you, right? There's not much I can learn from these people, and that's that's where I draw a line. Um, if I if I don't learn from you on on, on your behavior, then um, you can say all you want to me, but you have to show me um, the right way to do things. And so, 
tying it back to to wealth, right? Material wealth um, does not really bring you mental peace or enlightenment by any means. You know, when I was younger, um, you know, I definitely want wanted the nice car, the nice house, and all those things. And you know, to some extent, I guess I do want those, but um, I I assumed that they would bring me happiness. And I slowly but surely found out that that was truly not the case. Um, you, you know, money may be a path to happiness um, with the things that it can bring. And like, for, like you know, what I'll say is um, not material things. So like I, I'm able to travel much more these days, right? I'm able to go a lot of different places um, and it, not, it doesn't really hurt that much um, income wise. But, you know, I choose to use my money, right? I elevate my career and I constantly push harder so I can make those types of experiences, right? Not, I don't work harder so I can buy, um, you know, that, that nice car. I don't work harder to buy that nice house. I work hard to make that life experience. Um, and it's interesting, right? Because you stay at the same level of poor if you do that, right? Like if I was making $60,000 and I'm able to afford, you know, um, a one bedroom and, you know, a Honda Accord and, and, and certain levels of groceries. And then I, 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 bec I make, you know, let's say a hundred thousand dollars. And now I'm able to, you know, buy a, a Mercedes and, um, I, 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 you know, step up my, my cost of living. I'm, I'm moving to a really nice place. So I'm at the same level of poor, right? Like there's, there's no difference. Um, and I, I still need that paycheck, maybe more so now than I did before, because I'm supporting all these nice things now. So, you know, on this tangent, I'm, I, I really push myself to like increase my standard of life versus my standard of living, um, and that can mean to to you whatever it, it wants to mean. But essentially, um, I want to pursue knowledge, right? So I don't have a problem, you know, spending money on traveling or or books and things like that, or fitness, because um, those things bring me mental peace. And um, so like. Going back to this point, um, material wealth um, is only going to get us so far. So, next point. Um, so uh, Eckhart Tolle begins to start talking about enlightenment. Okay, um, and this is a really, really, um, I guess, complex topic, but it's very interesting to discuss. And you know, um, one thing he he states is that um, there, an indication of enlightenment is finding your true self beyond name. And form, and I think this is outstanding, right? And we see, like, nowadays, especially with social media, like everyone's becoming a fitness influencer. Um, everyone's posting pictures of themselves, um, things like that. And that's not wrong. I, I, I don't want to say that's wrong, but um, to me, it's a little vain, and um, it really, it really assigns um, your personality and your form to, or to your form, you know, right? So it really assigns what you are to your physical form, and you know, people are way more than their physical form. Um, and I think that's one thing to really note um, as we look to elevate our lives, right? So there, th this is the main reason um, I don't show my face um, on Instagram um, or even on this podcast, right? Um, it's not that um, I, you know, I'm ashamed of it, um, but I'm just much more than my physical body, right? You know, I work out every day. Like, um, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm a good looking dude, but um, I'm way more than that, right? And so for now, what I want to share with you guys is my thoughts and my feelings, um, because that I believe is what really makes me me, right? Um, one thing that does make me me is that, you know, I, I do intertwine fitness um, as a habit, right? I do work out every single day, but um, like I said, I'm much more than my form. I am my thoughts and feelings, um, and I would love to be sharing those guys with you. I mean, sharing those things with you guys um, on a consistent basis. 
So um, going back to enlightenment, right? Um, Eckhart Tolle goes into saying, Buddhism defines enlightenment as the end of suffering. And that's an interesting um, definition for me because um, it's incomplete, really, because it's telling you what it is by telling you what it's not. Um, but um, one thing to note, and the way Eckhart Tolle describes it, is that, you know, enlightenment is not really as um, erroneous or complicated of a concept um, if you break it down, right? So, um, you know, I, I really define enlightenment um, in my day-to-day -day as being able to see and think clearly. So, you know, quick question to the audience is, right, who, who's ever been bogged down by, by so many thoughts, right? You just can't move on to the next thing because you keep thinking, right? We call that incessant thinking, right? Just constant mental traffic, mental noise. Um, and Eckhart Tolle really says that thinking's become a disease, right? And and one one thing that happens to me personally, like a personal affliction, is that um, you know I work out every day, I go to work, so I have long days um, to some extent. And by the time you know you know it's bedtime, I'm I'm ready, I'm ready to go to bed. But for some reason, as soon as my head hits the pillow, I start thinking about all the things. My mind goes in a million different directions. Um, I think about my past future what happened today and i like doing that i like reflecting um and like kind of like perspective analysising if that's a word right i like to see what's out there um or what, what what lies ahead of me but um enlightenment is really being able to to have that on and off switch right can i rise above my thought so you know one thing i'd say is like you know eckhart tolle agrees that enlightenment is is the end to incessant thinking but how do we do that? And the whole title of the book is being here now. So right now, I'm going to do this and focus on only that and, and focus on what's at hand, right? So um, this goes back to the four agreements even, right? So the four agreements is all about being here now, right? You have to make those four agreements in your everyday life and really be conscious about doing them. Otherwise, um, they might not happen. They might not manifest themselves the way you thought, but you are in control. Of that right you're in control of being here now and the the control comes in is when you're able to shut it off when you want to are you able to stop thinking when you want to so i'll say i'm not but i'm getting better okay and so um one thing i've started to do is meditate and one one meditation meditation technique that i've been reading about is just imagining the color black so um that seems easy enough just close your eyes and imagine the color black so um, if you guys can do that for 15 seconds, I will applaud you because um, after about 30 seconds of thinking about the color black, a bunch of other um, thoughts start coming in my mind um, and my mind is running now. And I, I have to really snap back and say, hey, come back and think about the color black and start all over again. So it's really tough, but that's all about being here now. That's how you control the incessant thinking, right? So, you know, one, one thing that I mentioned is that, you know, like I'll start reflecting on the past, okay? And so reflection is, is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that like thinking is bad. But um, when, when you do these things, when you, when you reflect on the past, you have to make sure that it's not distorting your view of the present because that's not only unfair to you, but unfair to others as well, okay? So, you know, I think I've, I've gone through this example before. 
but social media has been a very like weird um platform for me right so like i was talking about that you know um with my previous previous relationships and things like that i always felt like my significant other um was kind of just doing it for the gram right oh like i'm here i gotta post this oh i'm here i gotta post this oh i'm here let me tell this person i'm here and like that that was like not something i i really jive with right it's it I'm just like, be here right now. Like, talk to me. Enjoy. Look around. Um, Taking the sights uh, with your naked eye. You don't have to worry about um, taking a picture of it. Um, if you, Like, you can, but, like, you don't have to worry about sharing with everyone right then, right? So, you know, it was easy for me to kind of throw that onto my current fiance as we, um, you know, as we developed in our in our preliminary days. But you know, as I as I'm learning things, I decided this time I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask the question, right? I'm not just gonna let it pent up and you know judge someone for for their habits. So you know, I asked. I say, okay, what what do you use social media for? Why why do you use it the way you do? Um, and she said, I use it to capture memories because of the different filters um, on, on Instagram and Snapchat and things like that on Facebook, the different videos that are there, uh, recipe ideas. I, I use it for for these positive things. And I was like, oh, wow, that's that's crazy. Um, like, I, And then it makes sense because we're going through memories now on Instagram of all the trips we've been on together. And they're captured differently than the way I capture them like by taking a picture, right? There's filters on them. Um, there's different notes on them. There's like, you know, little emojis on them. And it's really cool to see the way she's capturing all of our memories. And I'm like, wow, that's an interesting way to do it. And I, I essentially just asked that question um, and cleared up those assumptions, right? So what we're talking about now, though, is reflecting on the past, right? It's not a bad thing. But you, you have to look at your past from an objective view and not let it distort um, your lens of the present. So, um, you know, as we come to the conclusion here, um, you know, there's a couple powerful pieces uh, that Eckhart Tolle really goes into. And um, I think it's easy for someone to think of someone who's enlightened as like a, you know, a guru or some dude wearing, you know, like, like rags and just like kind of floating around and I'm, I'm being ignorant, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like some, 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 some yogi, right? Somewhere who's, who's just like constantly talking like Morpheus all the time. Um, but um, Eckhart really squashes that through the next quote, right? If the price of peace was lowering your consciousness and the price of stillness a lack of vitality and alertness, then they would not be worth having, right? So I translate it as this. If you have to enter like a trance-like state, like, you know, you know, getting super stoned or getting drunk to be at peace, then it's not practical. So how do you do that? You attain peace through heightening your consciousness, right? Being here now, being closer to everything, not pulling back, not saying, okay, you know, I don't care about this um, because I just don't care, right? But you you don't care about this because you've reasoned everything through, right? This is if what what is going to happen if this upsets me? Nothing good is going to happen. So now I want to think clearly and I want to think of an action plan on how to remediate, right? So um, going back through it, right? If the price of peace was lowering your consciousness and the price of stillness a lack of vitality and alertness, then they would not be worth having, right? So I, I read it again because it's so powerful. And um, because we see a lot of people, you know, grinding it out through the week, going out on the weekends, being someone else, right? That is a, a bad extreme to have, um, and it can lead to a lot of toxic behavior. Find the balance. Find the ability to stay conscious enough to, to ingest a potentially negative stimulus, let it process, and let it come out positive, right? And that, that to me, is a solution, okay? So um, a solution that Eckhart Tolle really brings. 
is that next time you do something simple, right, extremely simple, like let's say washing your hands, um, just pay attention to it. Pay attention to the way the soap, you know, forms bubbles on your hands. Pay attention to the way the water cups in your hands and falls off your hands. And then pay attention to the way you dry your hands and things like that. Um, monitor your breathing from time to time, right? Monitor your breathing going in through your nose and feel it as you exhale through your mouth. You know, one thing I do is, um, you know, and I'll leave with this. One thing I do when I come back um, from my friend's houses, you know, at night, if, if we're hanging out late, um, is, you know, as I'm driving back, I shut off all the music. And um, it's, it's later, so there's generally not as much traffic. Um, and I have the road to myself for the most part. So I turn off all the music, and um, I, I pay attention to the road, and I listen to my car, right? And I just be there in that moment. And there's something extremely relaxing about that. Um, you, you're you're um, away from all the normal stimulus in your day, and you can just focus on what's going on in that moment. Um, and that, to me, is the, the path to enlightenment, right? Just being there right in that moment, um, no worries, no qualms, not letting the past or the future affect you, but just being there right in that moment um, and not you know, worrying about any of the incessant thinking that might be coming your way. Um, so that being said, that about wraps up all the points I have for today. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, feel free to leave any comments or feedback that you may have. Um, tune in for the, the podcast next week. And remember, only positivity. Thanks, guys.